Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Gray, and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I am a follower of Jesus, and I find the Bible to be absolutely amazing and love helping people experience it anew. Because in my 12 plus years of teaching the Bible professionally, I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context, and we are missing out on so much. Because when the biblical text is set in its context, it becomes more relevant, compelling, and transformational than we ever imagined. My desire is for all people to experience the Bible this way and to see Jesus at the center of it all. It's to this end that I created the teaching series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. So if you find an episode particularly helpful, I'd encourage you to check out the video version as well. And please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Friends, hello there, and welcome to part eight in our series on the Lord's Prayer. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who are supporting Walking the Text, either through your financial giving or through your prayers. It has been amazing to see how God is meeting us at Walking the Text and providing some amazing opportunities. So let me just share one of these with you, is that we are now taking everything in the teaching series and we're having it translated into Spanish. So not long ago, we had a group that came to us and said, man, the Spanish-speaking world needs to have access to the text in context through the teaching series. And so we've now got a team that has been working with us on our YouTube channel. So we've got a YouTube channel, and if any of you know how YouTube works, it can be then put into different languages. So if someone comes to YouTube who is a Spanish-speaking individual and they search for things, if our stuff that's in English is also made available in Spanish, then they find that as well. And so we've taken everything that we've done thus far in English and we're putting it into Spanish. So what that means is that the videos are still in English, but the subtitles now are in Spanish. And then all the descriptions, and we've actually moved over the discussion questions from walkingthetext.com into our Spanish portion of our YouTube channel so that people who come to the channel will be able to utilize this for small groups and all of that. So to date, we have all of the episodes in the Lord's Prayer, this mini-series, in the Spanish subtitles and everything being translated has been translated into Spanish. And then what this team is doing is they're now going back to all the other episodes and over the next, it's probably going to take six to nine months, all of the episodes in the teaching series will be made available to the Spanish-speaking world. A thank you to you for making that possible. So we are a crowdfunded nonprofit organization that gets to do what we do 
because of generous supporters like you. So I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your prayers. It is so much fun to see how God is utilizing Walking the Text to reach people all around the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, now let's jump into this uh, this week's episode on the teaching series, and we've been working through the Lord's Prayer. Again, this is part eight. Next week is going to be part nine, and that will be the last uh, part in the Lord's Prayer series. So the end is in sight. And by the way of where we're at in the prayer, we are in the final two lines. And so, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I want to start with, and lead us not into temptation. Because I don't know about you, but when I hear that or I read that, it feels a little bit confusing, almost as if I'm wondering, like, is God in the habit of leading us into temptation? And then those of you who know your scripture will go, but wait a minute, doesn't James 1 say that God never tempts anyone and can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone? So so what's going on with this? Why is Jesus asking us to pray this to God and lead us not into temptation. And there's a lot of discussion around whether temptation is the right word to be translated there into our English. Some look at it as the word trial. And what I think is most helpful to do is just to step back from the prayer for a moment do what we've been doing throughout this entire series and recognize that this is not only a prayer that Jesus has given his disciples to pray, but this is a prayer that he is living out in his story as well. And so a question we need to ask is, are there any stories in Jesus's life and ministry where he was tempted in any way? And especially because we're in Matthew 6 right now, is there anything that comes before Matthew chapter 6? And we go, oh yeah, of course, it's Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus goes into the desert. In fact, this is how Matthew 4, 1 and 2 read. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Of course he was. And then the devil comes to him and starts tempting him in three different ways. But I want to first of all, look at this and go, all right, Jesus was led by the Spirit into an environment where he would then be tested by the devil. So God's not in the habit of tempting us. I'm excuse me, not to be tested by the devil, but to be tempted by the devil. And God is not in the habit of tempting us, but apparently the spirit is leading Jesus into an environment where the devil can then tempt Jesus. And you go, what in the world is going on here? Well, I think there's two facets that are, are, are at play here. One, it is a temptation by the devil, but it's also a testing for Jesus. And you go, well, what's the difference between temptation and test? Well, here's where Michael J. Wilkins from the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary of the New Testament, Volume 1. And yes, that is a mouthful, but an amazing commentary series. He says this on Matthew chapter 4 in this moment. He says, a temptation is an enticement to get a person to go contrary to the will of God as Satan will try to do to Jesus. A test tries to get a person to prove oneself faithful to God's will with the good intention that the person pass the test. 
So I think he just does a brilliant job here because a temptation is intended to take us away from the will of God, whereas a test is to solidify the fact that we are going to walk out God's will. And so when it comes to this story in Matthew chapter 4, it is a test for Jesus to live out God's will, but in the same token, it's a temptation from the devil to try to derail Jesus from walking out God's will. And so we see that there is a test underway. Now, it's not just a test with the devil in the desert. There's a larger story at play here, because one of the things that we need to also keep reminding ourselves is that you cannot understand Jesus's life and ministry without recognizing he's living it out on the canvas of Israel's story and that of the Exodus. And so if you just look at the details and you go, okay, for 40 and it's in a desert, where was Israel, you know, in a desert for something for 40? And you go, of course, right? This is, this is the story where Israel spent 40 years in the desert or the wilderness. And at the end of their 40 years, Moses in Deuteronomy 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 2 says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So they are tested in the desert to see, are you going to follow God's commands or are you going to go your own way? And this is precisely what's going on here in Matthew chapter four. So when you read the story in its entirety, you see that on three different occasions after Jesus has already been in the desert for 40 days, the devil tries to tempt him in some way. Once it's with food, once it's with protection, and then the last one, which I think is most pertinent to our conversation pertaining to the Lord's prayer, is that Satan will take him to a high mountain to show him all the kingdoms, however that played out. And then he says, like, all of this is yours if you bow down to me, which was Satan's way of saying to Jesus, like, the reason why I'm tempting you right now is because you just had your baptism. You just got the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom movement is underway. You are about a kingdom. I can give you all the kingdoms of the earth. You just bow down to me. And so the temptation there is for Jesus to receive power and authority, friends get this, without pain and sacrifice. And he says, it's, it's all yours. All you got to do is bow down to me. Now, the reason why I wanted to take us back for a few moments into Israel's story to be reminded that there's a connection here is because the way that Jesus responds to Satan with each of these three temptations is that he quotes scripture. And he's quoting from key moments in the story that has come before him, knowing that Jesus, his role, his mission is to take that story forward. In fact, to be the culminating moment in human history with the cross and the empty tomb. And so he's quoting scripture to go, no, no, no. Like I am fitting into the story. Like God has been faithful all throughout this story. God knows what he is doing. I am called to walk out his will and his way in the world 
not to follow this derailed approach to the kingdom that Satan is trying to tempt Jesus with. And so he quotes scripture, he reminds himself of the story, he proclaims the story to the evil one and says, I am walking out God's will. He passed the test and the temptation from the devil failed. So that is story one. Story two doesn't encompass a desert. It encompasses a story that's going to come later in Matthew, and that is in Gethsemane. In the garden, Jesus will be tempted once again. Now, it's going to feel a little bit different, but it's actually connected. So, let me just show you here within this image. This is a shot that I took from the Temple Mount facing east. And so, this is the Kidron Valley. This is the Church of All Nations. And on the north end of the Church of All Nations, it commemorates the traditional location of Gethsemane. So, on the night before Jesus uh, was crucified, Jesus and his disciples, after the Last Supper, after Judas had already left, um, they will end up here in Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is another moment of temptation. It's a test. It's a trial. And I just want to read to you from Matthew chapter 26, these first four verses or so, starting in verse 36, where it says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he goes into Gethsemane. He feels the weight of the world. He goes in further by himself. And I just envision Jesus like digging his nails into the dirt of Gethsemane. And he's saying, Father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. And this cup is a representation of all of the pain, the brokenness, the chaos, the sin, the judgment that was to be poured out on the nations. Jesus is going to take that upon himself. And the weight of all of this is suffocating him to the point that he says to God, like, if it's at all possible, I don't want to do this. And friends, I think this is huge for us to just pause in this moment and recognize that so often when we look at Jesus, we want to focus so much on his, on his divinity that we do that at the expense of his humanity. That Hebrews tells us that yes, Jesus was fully divine, but he also lived into the fullness of humanity to experience what we experience. And in this moment, Jesus doesn't want to go through it. There is pain, there is agony that he is already experiencing, and it's on the horizon. And he says, God, I want this to pass from me. 
And you go, well, is this just kind of a fleeting moment, you know, of, of, of for Jesus? And the answer is no, it's not a fleeting moment. He's actually been praying for some time and he's going to pray the same prayer two more times for a total of three times. He's going to say, God, I don't want to go through it. And in this temptation to take another way out, to not go to the cross is one avenue. But I also just wonder, knowing that where Gethsemane is, like if you just go east and you crest the Mount of Olives, off the back end of the Mount of Olives is this place. It's the Judean desert where Jesus was tempted by the devil. Where in the midst of his time there, the devil said to him, Hey, you want power? You want authority? Do you want the kingdoms of the world? I will give it to you pain-free, sacrifice-free. And I just wonder if not just for a fleeting moment in his humanity that Jesus is going, is there any other way that I can gain this world without having to go through the cross? And as he sits and as he ponders this in the midst of the Gethsemane, of the midst of the garden, Jesus comes to the conclusion There isn't another way. And this is why I love the second half of his prayer when he says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Friends, this is straight out of the playbook of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. Right? If the kingdom of God is going to advance to push out all the brokenness and the pain and the chaos that it needs to be dealt with once and for all. But in this moment in Jesus' humanity, he says, I don't want to do it. But it's not my will. It's your will. And Jesus survives the temptation from the devil to find another way out, to not walk out God's will. And instead, Jesus passes the test because he says, it is your will I am going to walk out. And he doesn't. And he does it precisely because he has been living out God's kingdom movement in his life. And this is where it's going to conclude. And so when we look back now into the Lord's Prayer, knowing where Jesus had been at this moment, and knowing that this prayer embodies everything he's going to live out, we look at this line and lead us not into temptation. And we look at this and we go, of course we want to pray, don't lead us into temptation. It is pain, it is suffering, it is heartache. I mean, 40 days in the desert fasting and then being tempted on three different occasions by the devil and then Jesus being in Gethsemane with the weight of the world. It's like, yes, 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 that's something we do not want to have to go through. But I think that what else is going on here is that when it says, and lead us not into temptation, It's also this recognition, though, that we're not going to seek it out, but it's actually going to find us. And here's what I mean by that. 
If you look at this entire prayer and everything that we've been studying and looking at in this series, and if we said this, if you're faithfully living out the rest of this prayer, you will be tempted. You will enter trials. Like if you are advancing God's kingdom movement here on earth, there is a kingdom of darkness that doesn't want God's kingdom advancing here on earth. And it is what's going to come after us. Now, it might be something where we actually experience some kind of, um, you know, evil opposition like Jesus did. I mean, when you look at Jesus's life and his ministry, he has opposition everywhere. He's got it from the demonic forces. He's got it from just the, the natural realities of a broken world, like the death that Lazarus experienced. And Jesus goes and cries at Lazarus's tomb. You have the religious leaders who don't like what Jesus is doing and constantly bringing opposition. Is, to, is just to understand, friends, if we are faithful to God, we will experience trials and tribulations here on earth. And some of it will just be natural happenstance things of life. That's just part of a broken, fallen world. Tragedy, death, disease, cancer, those kinds of things. And it actually may be something where we do feel like we're being attacked in order to be derailed from what God is calling us to do in our lives. And so we do pray and lead us not into temptation. But friends, we also need to recognize we are going to experience it and we want God to bring us through it. But one of the things we need to hold in our hands as we recognize this is that there may be trials, there may be things that actually take us out. And here's where I just want to read a really great quote from Tim Mackey. Uh, He's got this uh, podcast called Exploring My Strange Bible. He's one of the co-founders of the Bible Project. He had a brilliant teaching on the Lord's Prayer that I was listening to not long ago. And when it came to this section, this is what he said. He says, every day we need to be reminded that following Jesus is hard and that great tests and trials will come our way. And to remind ourselves that they are not signs that the Father has abandoned us. They are actually, paradoxically, signs the Father is with us and that He will deliver us through in some way. Right? Because we go through these hard times and it's like, God, where are you? And it's like, no, no, no. God is actually with you. When we experience this, it's because we're seeking to live out God's will and God's way and God's walking with us in the midst of this. Remember, our Father in the heavens rules and reigns over all, but He is always near us. He is walking with us. But here's how Tim ends this quote, where he says, We'll deliver us through in some way, though for many it has meant giving up their life, and that included Jesus. Right, So Jesus survived the temptation, the trial, but he also died on a cross. But he did so in order to conquer sin and death once and for all so that, friends, we could actually pray this last line and deliver us from evil. To recognize that evil doesn't get the final say, that when we go through our trials and our temptations and our struggles, that ultimately we don't want evil to get the upper hand. And if it does get its upper hand in our lives at that moment, that we are reminded that it doesn't ultimately have the final say, that Jesus has the final say because he went to the cross, he conquered the grave, and that collectively he was the most moment in human history that everything pointed to. He conquered sin and death once and for all. The story is heading on a track where all will be made right at the end of the story and evil will not get its final say. 
And so friends, every day we come to this prayer and we pray, dear God, do not lead us into temptation. Don't give us more than what we can handle. We recognize by just being followers of Jesus, we are going to experience trials and temptations and testings in our lives. And we pray that you would deliver us in those moments. And if death takes us as a result of the trial that we're going through, God, may we be reminded that evil doesn't get the final say. Death has been defeated and Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and will make it right at the end of the story. Friends, that is why we end the prayer by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let it be. And in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, friends, we need to be reminded And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. This is not about us individually going through things. This is about us joining together as a community. We need one another to get through the temptations. We need one another to get through the trials. We need one another to get through the the things that we're going to go through. And we also need one another to remind us of where the story is ultimately going so that we live every single day in the hope of what is already true and that we long to see its fullest expression here on earth. So friends, there you go. Part eight of the Lord's Prayer. Again, next week will be our last episode. So let's do what we've been doing for every episode. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together as a way of signing off. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And friends, may you walk out this prayer well in your life. 